1: Hello everyone and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today I'm delighted to talk again to Professor Dr. Mustafa Abu-Sway. You're most welcome, sir. Thank you. As-salamu alaykum. salam Good to see you, sir. Uh, for those who don't remember, Dr. Uh, Mustafa Abu-Sway is the first holder of the integral chair for the study of Imam al-Ghazali's work at the Holy Al-Aqsa Mosque and at Al-Quds University. He was Dean, College of Dawah and Usul al-Din, and College of the Quran and Islamic Studies, Al-Quds University, 2014 to 2020. He is also a member of the Islamic Waqf Council in Jerusalem and member of the Hashemite Fund for the Restoration of Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock. He has also been a professor of philosophy and Islamic studies at Al-Quds University in Jerusalem, Palestine, since 1996. Today, uh, Dr. Mustafa Swe will introduce us to Imam Al-Ghazali's famous autobiography, known in English as the Deliverance from Error, an extraordinary spiritual and epistemological treatise. So over to you, sir. Thank you. Bismillah ar-Rahmah al rahim Alhamdulillah.
0: Wa salam al-Salam wa Rasulullah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa anwala. Wa ala jami' al-Anbiya. Wa Rasulullah, we pray uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will uh, bless and he indeed blessed the, uh, all the messengers, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi wa sallam and uh, his brothers amongst the uh, prophets and messengers and we pray of course for all Muslims and we pray for all humanity at large. Uh, because really what's uh, what's at stake here is uh, uh, not only knowledge but uh, guidance and uh, guidance that delivers from error and we are bound to error in more than one respect Uh, if we talk about uh, if we talk about sins uh, there is no of course there is no concept of original sin in islam everyone is responsible for his or her uh, sin that is too uh, is bound to happen not that it is predestined that it's because we are so weak but you know this is the nature of humanity and the hadith of the prophet peace be upon him he said that all the children of adam are sinners and the best of sinners are the repenters but we speak about something else here in this book we speak about uh, errors in the sense of uh, really making judgmental mistakes um, sometimes i ask the question to my students who who never got like or who uh um, you know, who never got basically a failing point at least in in math in school? Like, sometimes did you ever make a mathematical mistake? And it seems that people always uh, nod or say yes. We know, you know, we do make mistakes. You can make a mistake in logic. You can make a mistake in uh, uh, in uh, deciphering. It could be chemistry. It could be the universe. Just name it. Imam al his uh, his story, and I'm not going to highlight. Uh, everything in his life, but enough to understand the uh, era of Imam al-Ghazali, major events, uh, the cultural, um, you know, uh, um, uh, scene in the sense of, you know, what kind of ideas existed, the major things. Uh, The uh, Imam al-Ghazali was born in Tus Khurasan in uh, 1058. I'm not going to use Islamic calendar because there are also... And non-Muslims who are not, uh, you know, uh, probably uh, fully uh, aware of the uh, Islamic calendar. So 1058, common era. And it was Tuz Khurasan, uh, a poor uh, child from a poor family. His father was uh, a Sufi lover, a Sufi himself. And soon when he was about to uh, realize that he was passing away, he was going to die, he entrusted him. And his brother Ahmed, was, who's was also a Muslim scholar, but more in the realm of the Affairs of the heart, Sufism, if you will. He entrusted uh, them to a Sufi friend. Soon the money that he left behind, the father, uh, was uh, spent on the two kids, sent him to school. And Imam Ghazali, uh, like all classical uh, uh, students scholars at the time, he learned, you know, the uh, philosophy of Islamic law, Usul al Fiqh. It's a rather uh, sophisticated uh, topic. And many stories, beautiful stories. Uh, for example, on the way back from his first uh, journey, uh, brigands, uh, you know, took everything with the caravan, including Imam Razali's books. So Imam Razali followed them, asked him for, you know, to give them to give him back his uh, his books, the knowledge that he traveled to attain, and that uh, brigand there, uh, you know, the, uh, was smart enough to tell Imam Razali, how could you claim that you traveled to attain knowledge and I could basically take away his knowledge from you? Mm-hmm. The bottom line: Imam Ghazali would uh, uh, would uh, uh, memorize these books. Uh, the, you know, the uh, thief, the highway robber, gave him the books back to those memorize the books. Ultimately, Imam Ghazali ends up with Imam Harmel al at the Nizami Nizami of Nishapur. These are colleges that were established by Nizam al-Mulk, whom we, as as a Muslim Ummah, did not really uh, appreciate enough the role of Nizam al-Mulk. He established these colleges to safeguard, uh, you know, uh, Sunni Islam at large, not a particular, you know, Sunni uh, sect. Though, of course, it was Ash'arite and the School of Jurisprudence. The prominent one was Shafi'i. These are non-sectarian schools of jurisprudence. And uh, Sufism. So always like uh, Ash'arite, you know, Shafi'i and Sufism, they go hand in hand. So, for example, Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Indonesia. Uh, they are, they are uh, predominantly uh, ash'ari they are predominantly Shafi and they are predominantly Sufi. Mm-hmm. A historical development uh, non, uh, nonetheless. So uh, Imam Ghazali at, uh, at one point in, uh, uh, after the death of uh, Imam Hamid al he lands a job because he really he shined. Let me put it this way, Imam Ghazali shined. Even his own professor allowed him to uh, to teach, you know, in his own presence, like a teaching fellow today uh, at universities. And uh, Nizam al-Mulk, he was the vizier, like he is the prime minister, but there is no cabinet. He was doing everything uh, at the time. So Nizam uh, al-Mulk appointed him as the professor at the Nidhamiyya of Baghdad now. Where, actually,
1: from, ask, it, how old was he when he was appointed to this very prestigious post? Then, do you think
0: in uh, in uh, in So we talk about uh, from uh, 1058 to uh, 1091.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so that's 33 years. Yeah. Um, am I? Is that what it is? Between about 50, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's and he was now at the prime of his uh, mm-hmm. the peak. Uh, he already wrote many books in uh, in Baghdad. He wrote he wrote uh, of course maqasid philosophy, an introduction to Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the Fileo fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time, and if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just six dollars. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Philosophy: the aims of the philosophers, a very objective uh, account of what the philosophers basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, believed, thought, uh, preached, whatever. Uh, and uh, later on, he would write the Haft al philosophy al- Describe translated as the deconstruction of the philosophers. It's, it's, I think the to have it is even, um, it's just like, uh, um, you know, you talk about the philosophers collapsing really under his uh, uh counter uh, arguments. And I think we could, uh, it's very important that at one point when we deal with the uh, philosophers in the book here, uh, to at least to raise the, uh, the issue that has been raised already in some of your programs. About Neil deGrasse, and uh, you know his accusations of Imam Ghazali. So here, basically, it's the book that we will be uh, dealing uh, with. And um, uh, so, fame, money, power, prestigious position, name it—he had it. He had it all. He got it all. But that did not really satisfy Imam Ghazali, and this is really the the. the most important thing about this book is once we talk about Imam Ghazali uh, abandoning his position, distributing his wealth, mm. giving up—you know—living uh, incognito. Uh, I know that many, uh, you know, authors, scholars—they have their own version of what uh, happened. But if we stick to what Imam Ghazali said in his uh, his book here, I think this is the safest thing. Uh, it's not about politics. It's not about his own personal safety, uh, because if you are worried about your own personal safety, you would not distribute your money. You just take the money with you and just split. Um, so we will uh, we will deal with this. I think the most important thing ultimately in this book, if uh, if you reach these two things, and if we could succeed today in this, uh, you know, uh, uh, in this uh, particular presentation. Uh, If we could succeed in distinguishing between two major things that happened in Baghdad, and of course, everything would uh, fall into place, hopefully. One is basically systematic doubt. The other, his own intentions, his own sincerity, his own why he treaded, because you could basically uh, have a a systematic doubt. And this will not lead to a spiritual um, change. Uh, a spiritual renewal, a spiritual uh, so mm-hmm. it's So we have these two major uh, things in his life. Now, back to 1058, the year in, in which he was born, that's the year when al, uh, al-Baghdadi, of course from Baghdad, uh, wrote his book on the sects that existed in Baghdad at the time. And he uh, enlisted more than 70, uh, you know, sects putting some of them under, you know, different, uh, uh, um, uh, um, you know, uh, classifications so that he would keep the, the number uh, in check. But it shows that Baghdad was full with all kinds of uh, ways of life, uh, uh, ways of thinking, uh, philosophers, intellectuals, sects, sects that uh, are still within the Islamic realm, six that ended up out, out there, and outside the realm of Islam. And Imam Ghazali, he uh, says basically the, from the very beginning in this particular book, in uh, the Al al the Deliverance from Error, also translated as Freedom and Fulfillment, many uh, uh, translations, <clears throat>
1: that
0: from his own childhood, seeking uh, truth. Seeking indubitable knowledge was really put in his, in himself, in, in his, uh, uh, in his breast, if you will, from uh, for the 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 uh, age of childhood, really. And he mentions the hadith of the Prophet, uh, صلى الله عليه وسلم, Every child is born into state of natural disposition, fitrah, one, yeah. And it is uh, it is his hair uh, parents that lead him to become, you know, uh, Jews, Christians, or Magians.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, now, probably at this stage, uh, a Muslim reading this uh, hadith might have a self, uh, you know, uh, congregatory, basically notion that, oh, we are on the other side of the argument. It's only Jewish kids who are misled or Christian kids who are misled, or whoever is the are, Taoists, Hindus, Buddhists, atheists. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's really all. All those in such a position could uh, impart uh, wrong knowledge to children, including Muslim parents. So it's not uh, a cause for celebration, because in the fact is, just in, a, in as much as... Uh, 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 you know, uh, a child is born into a specific sect today. Uh, is is prone to influence from parents, and uh, many things uh, could be uh, could be you know uh, uh, dumped on the uh, on the uh, on the child. In fact, in school, uh, you should never be uh, so sure. Yes, math, I agree with you, but once it comes to astrophysics, you know, physics, listening to some of the Uh, you know, uh, some of the scientists, you know, you can read this through uh, Thomas Cohn's, The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, that, you know, during a certain period, you are so sure about, Mm. you know, the scientific worldview, then you know, years later, a decade later, a little bit even more, you see that there's a major uh, major, paradigm paradigm shift. Yes, thank you. Mm. So if there's a paradigm shift in science, and we know very well the uh, what happens in the uh, back rooms of, uh, you know, it's not the conference, it's not in front of people, what scientists speak, you know, uh, what they say to each other, I think is very, very important. Do we have such a thing? Yes, but, you know, Imam Ghazali, he already had this as a child. Now, mm. since he was seeking, he did not want to conform, which is really pretty much what people do you know, a Christian child conforms to, you know, whatever church he or she is born into, usually, maybe later on they change, but they conform at one point. They might have their own doubts, but they conform, at least outwardly, they do. And Imam Ghazali, uh, he does, uh, you know, uh, he did speak about daring, daring to abandon, you know, the the low low state of conformism and to go beyond this and here he starts basically saying that he assumes always someone it could be a reality that someone asked him for uh you know to to uh, to write this book if you will but i think it's very important to uh, to to mention that the book is systematic
1: mm.
0: okay systematic literally uh, imam ghazali had a uh, uh, developed you know uh, uh, his ideas. he was paving the way and of course one can see it uh, you know uh, right from the very beginning. He went through the major the major uh, schools of thought, uh, epistemological thought, the possibilities of truth, if you will, but he was paving the way uh, towards uh, Sufism. Mm. That's one thing. Number two, it's devoid of all the uh, nonsense that we have today in many uh, autobiographic uh, works, okay? Um, this is not uh, Prince Harry's spare, um, you know, it could be because of a vendetta within the uh, mm. uh, family between the two brothers, just going back all, all the way to the uh, first two brothers, the uh, Ken and Abel, though it was, uh, of course, uh, it But it could be uh, Nelson Mandela's, uh, you know, the long uh, walk to uh, uh, to freedom. Here, the the aim is totally different. Malcolm X, you talk about black themes, could be summarized in in the uh, today, you know, uh, black life, you know, uh, matters, which is which is true. And you have a host of uh, people who wrote, uh, you know, autobiographic works that really detail scandalous lives uh, nothing more. it's not about food it's not about dress it's not about this is about knowledge what how knowledge is possible uh, what knowledge is possible to attain how under what conditions what you need to uh, to uh, to to leave uh, and really it's it's a psychological state because he says i you know he dared... ومستجرأتو. that's basically daring to go beyond that uh, initial stage. Uh, of uh, child conformity but even as a child he was here we have imam al-ghazali showing up as a child who was really really looking at things through a different you know lens he wanted indubitable knowledge knowledge that you cannot doubt and since you begin with uh, the uh, the premise that i cannot conform to things that are given to me i need to verify on my own so he needs to uh, to uh, to start and
1: just so say, uh, so somewhat randomly, perhaps, <clears throat> what you've just said about um, Al Ghazali seeking indubitable, certain knowledge, um, just strikes me. Uh, sitting here in France, reminds me of Rene Descartes, of course, the uh, the early <clears throat> modern European philosopher whose systematic uh, methodological doubt. He wasn't a sceptic, but at all, he sought. But he sought certain knowledge. Found what we now call in philosophy foundationalism, the idea that there is. A basic principle which cannot be questioned upon which all other knowledge uh, can be built. And uh, I know Descartes and uh, uh, Al-Ghazali are not the same, but it just it just rings similar to my ears anyway.
0: Uh, now to have a big surprise. <laughs> Thank you very much for bringing up, uh, you know, uh, Rene Descartes, uh, you know, and bringing him to the picture. In his book, uh, Meditations, yep. that's where this, he has the systematic uh, his own When yeah. uh, we talk about, uh, 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 you know, uh, I doubt. Uh, yes. you know, I think, therefore, I am. Really, well, one thing I, he couldn't doubt. So he, yeah, cogito errors. Cogito ergo So the the idea, uh, if you talk about doubting the senses,
1: okay, yes.
0: that's exactly identical. There was right. a Tunisian. There was a Tunisian. Uh, uh, scholar who uh, said in uh, this Tunisian scholar that he saw a copy of Descartes' Meditations with his own handwriting, like, I'm sorry, a copy of uh, uh, Descartes, copy, a copy of al al Muddala, Deliverance Error. It could be Latin, it could be French because at that during that period both were you know, uh, in in use amongst uh, scholars. That's the beginning of uh, the modern modern philosophy, if you will, he said that he saw the, Descartes' handwriting in the margins of the Deliverance Error Imam Ghazali Deliverance really? So
1: you're saying that Descartes himself actually was familiar with yes. Al Ghazali's Deliverance and Error. That would explain. So, in a sense, this greatest of French philosophers borrowed at least some of the ideas then from an Islamic philosopher. Hmm. It, it does not surprise
0: me. In fact, if if we move just a little bit beyond Descartes, uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau admitted. Right. In a, a letter to the Academy of Dijon around seventeen seventy six, so a little bit uh, you know later mm-hmm. uh, after uh, Descartes, he said that uh, Europe uh, used to exist in a state worse than ignorance in the dark. we talk about the dark ages. And help came, you know it's uh, bittersweet what he said. He said help came from the uh, from the least expected quarters, it came from the stupid Muslim. Well, at least it came from the Muslim. That's an early notion of Islamophobia, but that's I, it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me that much. Suffice to say that he mm-hmm. uh, they realized the Enlightenment was an Enlightenment that came through Andalusia through uh, Islamic uh, writings, and we were not simply carrying the Greek, you know, um, philosophy. As is no, it's basically a, a package and this is really the relationship between between uh, cultures between civilizations between, you know you just mm-hmm. take it from that which existed uh, you uh, digest it and you present it
1: you know it, it, it's an idea that we find in europe in, in where we are where i am now very hard to accept that the idea of the indebtedness of the western intellectual tradition to earlier islamic precursors you mentioned uh, islamic spain of course you mentioned al ghazali and then many many others not just in in philosophy, but in science as well, in, in optics and in surgery and medicine, the list of mathematics, the list is endless. But we're, we're very bad, particularly here in France, for some reason, we don't like to uh, admit it. Uh, there's any indebtedness to the Muslim world. This is this is really
0: a fact, but we can challenge this by reintroducing, if we say, for example, uh, uh, Ibn, Rushd, Ibn Rushd, as he was known, was European? Yes. Uh, are you going to reject his uh, Europeanness because of he was from Andalusia? You shouldn't. Uh, I stayed at a, a hotel in uh, uh, in uh, Cordoba, uh, Cordoba, uh, Cordoba, in uh, uh, in Spain, and really they had uh, quotations from uh, Ibr- on the walls and oh, really? the hotel, from Eberusht, but also from Maimonides, and so it uh-huh. was. Yeah. It was real uh, celebration of convivencia, but let's let's remember yeah. that convivencia in itself as a paradigm yeah. as coexistence between the various co-existence. 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 It's, 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 it's really coexistence. Yeah. So Imam al-Ghazali and just a very small footnote. I, I tried to get a copy of that in just a photocopy of, of Descartes uh, Yes, uh, you know personal copy and I realized over the years that his own personal library was distributed over different places in, in France and and uh, it could be at the uh, uh, national public library and that's the latest i uh, I hope I hope that I will one day you know get my hand on uh, that in- 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 <laughs> in- in- <laughs> scholar passed away and there was no way to find out where he found it at any rate so Imam Azali now he says that he will mention the major uh, schools that existed at the time in terms of the possible uh, possible uh, source of indubitable knowledge he mentioned the uh, Islamic theology and also made it to English because it really speaks about Islamic rather than Greek metaphysics or uh, what have you uh, we don't talk about Christian theology, we don't talk about Jewish theology and in fact it, if you talk about uh, theology, Jewish theologians who lived in the uh, who are Arab really uh, religion is one thing uh, they were influenced by uh, by uh, by kalam, uh, but kalam in itself, Imam Ghazali, and
1: you know, you, I think you mentioned Maimonides. Uh, sorry, uh, in in Islamic Spain, the very famous Jewish uh, yes. philosopher and scholar, and and so on, and he, he was obviously very much influenced by kalam as well. So, yeah.
0: He was, and also he's practically like uh, like uh, Ibn Rushd, uh, Both of them were physicians. Both of them were uh, mm-hmm. jurists. Both of them were.
1: Uh,
0: they were everything, amazing. polymaths, these, these guys were competent in everything, <laughs> it was amazing. Yes, yeah. uh, but about kalam, Imam al says that it fulfills its own aim, it does not fulfill my own aim. Like, kalam is not, because you say, what the, what what is kalam? You basically base your premise on, you take your premise from the argument of your opponent. Mm-hmm. So it does not produce... Uh, new knowledge, and also it's not something that you, uh, you know, need to, to uh, you cannot verify through this uh, particular uh, methodology. It is needed to defend the faith, and I, personally, I think that today probably what we need most is kalam as a different story uh, because it's not about whether whether Muslims uh, perform uh, ablution this way or that, it's not about a particular point mm-hmm. in, in the way we deal with uh, the environment, or about it's about how the Islamic worldview is framed in general in the public sphere, mm-hmm. and this is the area of uh, of kalam. In this is in the uh, uh, and this is in the deliverance of error in ul the revival of Islamic sciences. Imam as I says, the need for kalam is exactly uh, similar to the need uh, uh, for guards on the path of the pilgrims if you have um, highway robbers then you need guards no highway robbers you don't need guards same thing for kalam it depends on the context you might need it and you might not need it. so it's not an essential thing really and the the second one is uh, is uh, really the uh, we talk about the uh, the uh, what he described as ahlut ta'lim mm-hmm. But Ahl al-Talim here is a reference to the uh, to the Batli Nights, though it could it could uh, uh, it could uh, cover uh, any uh, non sunnite sect that restricts its knowledge to one person as the Imam. Since hence, we talk about Imamites, like Twelfth Imamites, with Seventh Imamites. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and the problem with this, Imam lazari says that you, you claim to be learning from an absent Imam, because they believe yeah. at one point that the last Imam lives in occultation, it's a long story.
1: Literally uh, hidden away somewhere,
0: yeah. yeah. Is, is hidden, you know, in a, yeah. so how could you learn from someone who is not present? Mm-hmm. And do we have people who uh, restrict their uh, knowledge? In fact, uh, I know I have participated in a conference uh, maybe uh, two, three years ago and we had have, we have somebody from the United States participating uh, herself. Is, uh, belongs to some Ismaili offshoot and she believes that the, the Imam, their Imam is the only one who is entitled to interpret the Quran. I was really surprised because really uh, we never had such a thing in the Sunni worldview. It is pretty much egalitarian. Everyone has access. All that you need to do is learn Arabic, but not superficial, uh, learn Arabic and you have access to the text. There is no monopoly. that We don't have, maybe to, uh, to explain this further, uh, I was uh, once uh, uh, someone, uh, you know, um, a non-Muslim uh who uh, explained the? he compared the world of uh, Catholicism to Shiaism because you have a hierarchy so you have someone who's really at the head yeah. the pop being the and he compared the uh, the Sunnites to the uh, Protestants because really it's decentralized and this is why we don't have an authority, you just write what you need to write and uh, you just say what you need to say and then the community of scholars either they accept, they reject, they um, augment they, you know. The, the, so the, this is the way. This is the spirit. But there is definitely uh, you don't you don't basically restrict knowledge to one person only because really this is not even the case with Prophet Muhammad peace be mm-hmm. upon him. Had he been with us, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. since you know, since basically, uh, uh, the, I I love what uh, um, what. Um, uh, you know, it's not about putting people in certain categories, but someone from Jerusalem, a philosopher, an intellectual, uh, maybe religion per se, the way we are talking about it, maybe it's not his thing, you know, but he has a beautiful statement. He said when humanity was ready for the final message, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, you know, uh, the, the Qur'an. So and uh the, the quran itself describes itself. and we have facilitated the quran for remembrance for understanding for in, you know you engage the text of the uh, quran uh but all that you need to do is uh, uh roll up your sleeves uh, your epistemological uh sleeves mm-hmm. and just, uh, he just said than done of course but anyway <laughs> yes mm-hmm. uh so then he uh you know alt- the num- number three will be uh, uh, philosophy, and he goes later on into details about what's in philosophy that is uh, uh, good. What's uh, what what what's in philosophy that uh, you know uh, contradicts uh, that is not really ca- cannot be reconciled, which is really Greek yeah. uh, metaphysics. Uh, and then he uh, uh, does speak why he uh, left teaching in Baghdad and. Uh, he would go back to Nis- to teaching in nishapur and i would uh, highlight this uh, this issue many scholars many preachers uh, many none i've seen it also in the texts of um, you know uh, non-muslim scholars uh, academics who say that uh, imam al-ghazali for example did teach here and there at smaller you know in between baghdad no he never did in fact when he returned to teaching in nishapur later on it was oh, it was fakhr al-mulk son of nizam al-mulk uh, who basically put enough pressure on him like but he had a beautiful relationship with his father with nizam al-mulk he uh, went back to teaching and when uh, fakhr al-mulk uh, was assassinated like his father at the hands of the uh, but botan, the esoterics, the Esoterics. it's uh, yeah. uh, the, in fact the word assassin came into english through the their movement hashashin so it's uh-huh. so, not yeah. Yes. That's that's basically what we have, what we have learned. then. Then uh, Imam Ghazali, uh says that uh, uh, from the time he was before uh, twenty, started uh, details about the uh, going into every single uh, sect, uh, and he wants to know the the essence, the secret, why people are the way they are. Hmm. Uh, in fact, even the atheists that existed, the the there was Zindiq Mu'attil, uh, uh, that could be the atheist of the, uh, of the time, but he want, and he refers to the idea of uh, the, the fitrah, and he knows very well at that moment that reaching searching for that indubitable knowledge means that you would know something for what it is. And he says there is no room for mistake and the heart will never have any uh, doubt. And uh, he, uh, he uh, says that if I know that 10 is greater than 3, which is always true, uh, we talk about math, we don't talk about, you know, uh, 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 this is not the area of uh, magic. In fact, he says that even if a magician turns a, a snake, uh, a stick into a snake, then he will not doubt that 10 is greater than 3. And this is very beautiful because Imam al-Ghazal is saying that math, is reliable mm. it's so reliable that I, I i would like my knowledge in the in realm of metaphysics to be the same like mm-hmm. in uh, in math he says yeah. that if someone does do this then i will be only surprised i will not basically uh change my idea about what's uh
1: a philosophy isn't it you are the, the sense of well ma- mathematical truth or analytical truths uh, are, are certain uh, in logic and so um, can we discover non-mathematical truths uh, about the world around us uh, with equal certainty? Uh, and, and this is a holy grail. We find this in, in Descartes, as you mentioned, we find it in Kant, Critique of Pure Reason, and in many other places. We, th- this search for absolutely certain foundational knowledge upon which to build all other knowledge. It's, it's a branch of philosophy called epistemology, of course, the, the, the science of knowledge. Yes, he, Mama, he starts here
0: uh, from scratch. Mm. He wants to build his, uh, you know, knowledge on uh, solid foundations. Yeah. And he began, he began with the senses. Can I trust my own senses? Right and, he gave, yes. and he gave a couple of examples. We'll just mention one. Uh, he said, you look at the uh, shade of a, of a tree that your immediate impression is that you see, you see it fixed. Come uh, an hour later. And you see that it has moved it means that it was moving but you could not detect the movement Me, it means that your sight your eyesight deceived you yeah. now here he uses the uh, the uh, an example from uh, you know f- from uh, sight he said this is the strongest like if he could doubt sight then obviously everything else uh, amongst the senses all the you know senses will fall into that uh, you know the constructed state of not reliable of course, within that uh, model, how did he reach the conclusion that uh, the senses deceive? It's because what he described as the judge of reason, so the judge of the senses, sensible, the judge of reason, the judge of reason now declared the judge of the sensible, this you know this the senses unreliable. Now, Imam Ghazali assumes something because Descartes has a different assumption. Okay. Uh, Imam Razali assumes something really peculiar. He, he said, Assume that there is a judge above reason that once manifests itself, it will also render uh, reason dubitable. Even the rational faculty cannot be relied upon anymore. And this is, he was helped through the personification of the senses. The senses now are taking a step back at at reason here he could not solve the uh, the issue so no senses of course in practice he would not doubt that he was going to drink or okay but if, but the uh, the at one point will he will become almost like a sick uh, the sick person now uh, furthermore imam al-ghazali mentions that in as much as when you uh, awake from a dream, you will you will know that during the dream, the knowledge during the dream uh, is very vivid, very real, but you you awake into a reality that tells you it was a dream. The end of life is the same; that you will awake into uh, uh, into a reality where you would reflect back. Mm when the Quran speaks about uh, that state in, in just immediately after death حديد, that your your sight becomes keen your knowledge there is no more dubitable knowledge mm-hmm. once you pass that threshold, once yeah. you pass away everything is accurate, everything is everything that you doubted about or whatever you had you know uh, um, that's it. You would know the truth at that particular moment. From that moment on, there's nothing but the truth. I, sometimes I say one's real CV is in the hereafter because here we edit the CV, we manicure things, we just beautify things. I'm just, you know. Well,
1: some people do, don't they? I've noticed this. I'm thinking, why, why have I ever done that on my CV? But anyway, I'm not going to pick up bad habits.
0: No, so the real CV is on the day of, uh, of judgment. There are no, uh, There are no errors. Now, Imam al-Ghazali says that uh, really, uh, and I would like to highlight now, for two months, there are scholars who expanded the number of the months, there are, for two months, Imam al-Ghazali was in a state of sophistry,
1: mm. soft
0: in a state of sophistry. He could not solve it in any, because you cannot solve it through the senses, you cannot solve it rationally because of that possibility of reason be, because it became dubitable now and the only solution the, the physicians gave up on imam al-ghazali he mm-hmm. now would not really uh, he would not you know drink he would not eat he would not physicians gave up on him they they knew that something that befell the uh, the heart uh, some you know and ultimately it, the solution came for, with uh, you know through uh, a light that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cast into his breast Binur Taala fi al That was the solution. And one might ask the question: All this fuss, and then you would say, "It's a light from God." Not really a logical, you know, argument. Not really a mathematical proof. Not really something in the DNA of people. You know that, like we today, we are looking for. It's it's our age. Yeah, that. Uh, and some of us are already beyond this, the possibility even of knowing that you need something tangible. Imam Al-Ghazali says no, and he was definitely. He is considered the renewer, uh, the scholar of the uh, fifth century. He was described as someone who no one ever saw a man like him. We talk about knowledge. We talk about uh, the, nobody ever described his appearance. Whether he, you know he was. Uh, Uh, photogenic or no nobody nobody ever mentioned anything about uh, his very little is known about uh, his life and here we have someone who says it's your heart it's not reason don't ignore reason because once he had that light he said that all the other uh, issues came into place now the sensibles became okay reason became okay so it's not that we have now this light and now we turn our back to reason forever. No, and this is really very important to, to, to realize. Now, the uh, we try to reach now the uh, uh, details about the uh, philosophers, and I think this is extremely uh, important. I'm not going to talk much more about the uh, kalam. I, it's very, you know, it's what I've said is enough. Uh, to cover Imam Ghazali's position about the Batinites, he systematically wrote against the esoterics, the Imamites, the, uh, but the, the scandals of the Batinites, Fadaih al Bataniyah, al Mustadhiri, named it after the uh, caliph who, uh, the Abbasid caliph who existed at the time. But he wrote so many books about them, he never shied away. And I'm saying this because there are uh, some Orientalists, some uh, who claimed that Imam al-Ghazali uh, really ran away from Baghdad for, fe- you know, fearing for his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's not the case. Had, had it been the case, why would he later on go back all the way to Tus Khurasan, which is really near Mashhad uh, in, uh, in Iran today, very close to the uh, citadel of Alamut, the, the uh, uh, you know, the base, if you will, uh, for their operation in the Muslim world at the time. And they systematically they did kill uh politicians they did kill uh, scholars uh intimidation but at the same time it seems that during that period they had also some what might be described this sort of described as kind of hedonistic you know uh, uh, life if you talk about those uh the hash uh, in fact their name they used hash they used uh uh, kind similar to marijuana uh, they use drugs and uh, what have you. But I, th- I would like to highlight uh, philosophy uh, today ma- much more than anything uh, else because uh, Imam Ghazali was uh, uh, um, accused about of many things that they have nothing to do with his writing, they have nothing to do with uh, his position vis-a-vis uh, philosophy. He was fair enough. He uh uh, Imam Ghazali uh, divided the uh, philosophy into different, and uh, he had no problem with ethics. He had no problem with uh, politics. In in essence, he had no problem with said logic. In fact, Imam Ghazali was the first Muslim scholar to to uh, to make logic uh, part of uh, his book Al-Mustasfa in Usul. uh, kind of an introductory introductory remarks like separated from the classical work but within the same book uh, practically making it imperative for Muslim scholars to know uh, logic Um, you will find that uh, uh, later on people uh, subscribe to uh, Ibn Taymiyyah's position uh, that uh, in essence uh, says that uh, the intelligent does not need a logic, and the ignorant does not benefit. So why teach it? That's the that's the uh, the the position. And there are many people who are, uh, in essence, people use logic every day. They mm-hmm. might they might make you know uh, mistakes like sub- subscribe to some uh, fallacies without uh, you know uh, paying attention. Uh, but the the, the masses, uh, there's at least a large number of people who fall in between, you know, they don't have naturally that capacity for 100% logical thinking, but they are not ignorant and they could benefit from learning uh, logic. So math, uh, even in, in the area of science, uh, Imam Ghazali had no problem at all. The only area that where he had a problem is metaphysics. I think this is very important to. Uh, in your life. And in fact, this is exactly what people do in any in any faith. I mean, you are what you are. you are a Hindu because you are not a Muslim or a Jew or a Christian. You are a Buddhist because you are none of the other four. you are uh, so in a, in a sense, uh, you are also defined by that which you are not. and uh, it, it does make sense. Imam Ghazali, let's remember what I said earlier, that he wrote Maqasid al a, a kind of an introduction to philosophy. It was very uh, objective, as we say uh, today. But the, it's one thing to say, the philosophers believe this. Uh, you would say, for example, uh, you know, how did uh, existence come into being in, in, in Plato's uh, you know uh, philosophy? Uh, what's the prime mover or the five, four causes of Aristotle? That, that's their own thing. Even the Greeks today they don't subscribe to uh, to this. So this is something that uh, you know uh, is part of the history of ideas. But at the time, and uh, here I would now uh, try to paint um, a picture, kind of a blueprint. So I'm going to use the 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 what Imam al ghazali uh, used, the categories, the way he dealt with the different uh, trends at the time. And just have some kind of an abstract uh, blueprint. For example, Greek metaphysics today means any external school of thought that is not in line with Islam, coming from the, you know overseas. Not in the. It doesn't have to be physically overseas. Uh, so uh, should I subscribe uh, to uh, you know to uh, social Darwinism? Uh, just to name uh, one thing Darwinism uh, in itself should I subscribe something that is coming from outside yeah. Imam Naghzali responded to the to the Esoterics to the they, they, uh, I, I'm going to throw a few names of the same sect so they are the Sab'iyya Seventh Imamites, they are the Khurramiyya Kurramiyya. so they, they come by, they have so many uh, you know uh, offshoots of the same uh, movement and by the way, the, they are the closest to Christians, and that might be a surprise to some, maybe too many. The closest, you know, offshoot from you know that came from within Islam and just ended up where it wherever where uh, wherever it is right now. The closest to Christian theology, in being Neoplatonic, and in ending up divinizing a human being, are the are the Ismailis. I mean, yes. So, for example, what we describe as Alawites in, in the Alawites in Turkey, because the Alawites in, in Yemen, they are from al Bayt Sunnites. They they have divinized Ali bin Abi Talib. This is in our books. This is what I taught. And when I had a chance once in Istanbul, I spoke with uh, you know a, a well-educated uh, Alawite. I asked him about whether they divinize Ali bin Abi Talib, radiallahu he Said this is widespread amongst the villagers, the farmers. It, 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 so he said that he is not, it does not subscribe to the idea, but it does exist, you know, amongst mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the Alawites. So here we have something like uh, like this. So Imam Ghazali responded to that which came from outside, Imam Ghazali responded to that which came from inside,
1: which mm-hmm.
0: is not compatible still. Then Imam Ghazali, the most important turf, if you will, the most important wanted battleground it's not the external in the sense of west today for example it's not the internal because of a sect that emerged historically it's really the self that's exactly the problem and uh, you know people could write many doctoral dissertations about imam al-ghazali's you know uh, penetration of the uh, of the human uh, psyche it's a, you know, that that's exactly what he did. And Sufism is not, you know, uh, it could be aesthetically beautiful, uh, you know, whirling dervishes, uh, you know, uh, but Su- that's not really the essence of Sufism is really re- seeing the uh, world as uh, it is, It's seeing that you are going to leave all this behind. So, you, it, you know, if you could distribute it before you leave, that's fine. It's not about your titles. Imam Ghazali says titles are of the devil, al min al He deconstructed every single thing that we celebrate today. I mean...
1: But you see, the very concept of Sufism is incredibly controversial in many circles. And uh, one of the things that I, I found helpful to remember um, is that what goes under the term Sufism is quite a spectrum a wide range of different practices and different, even different views, sometimes, and some some of it is certainly within the the law, the Sharia, and some some practices arguably are not, and so the the, day, the danger is that we, in a knee jerk reaction, just dismiss Sufism as such, all yes. of it everything, Um, without discriminating in a very careful way those practices, as I say, which are halal, and those, and which everyone acknowledges, or virtually everyone, some practices that go under the name of Sufism are unacceptable, and they're they're haram, uh, without going into the details, so there is a tendency these days not to be discriminating, and just to simply say, all haram, Uh, whereas in fact, Ghazali, as you say, stress the interior, they stress the Uh, Well, you you, you gave uh, some examples of those those perspectives and principles that he thought were very valuable, which are very much Islamic, aren't they?
0: Well, definitely. Uh, I think it's uh, very important to realize that uh, you might find uh, people subscribing to any specific, you know, know, school of thought today within the Sunni worldview who could err in the sense of... uh, uh, their position and what they highlight and what, to what, you know, uh, extreme, you know, uh, you know uh, that they uh, could uh, reach. Uh, Imam Ghazali was definitely uh, critical of uh, some Sufis. He was always critical of the scholars. Without saying, you know, Hanafi scholars, uh, Hamari scholars, Maliki scholars, Shafts, he was always critical of scholars. As long as it's not the school of thought, it's basically what's going on in, in, in your heart. Did you study Did you study religion or did you present yourself as a religious person so that you could attain a position from which you could benefit, you know, uh, uh, personally? Um, he mentions in certain, and uh, it is very clear in uh, Ihya mm-hmm. al he said it could be money. It could be a woman that you are presenting yourself as a b- pious, good person, because mm-hmm. all this is because it's an appearance. Oh, Imam Razal is very critical of anyone, uh, but he's also critical of uh, and always Sufis have been critical of uh, of Sufis who, do, who who deviate really from the uh, from the true path. It's it's about the you know cleansing the uh, the heart and uh, seeing the world uh, for what it is, and ultimately this is uh, you know uh, you know the uh, a passing. Uh, we are in transit, like people mm-hmm. go from country to another and they might go direct and they might go through transit We are our existence really go through this transit stage if you will uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, would like us to have a U-turn like U-turn going back to paradise uh, and uh, some of us will uh, insist on, on going straight though he he or she would see so many signs saying danger, danger danger, cliff Danger, accident, danger. You know, sometimes they might have these. You know that you are making them. Um, don't overs, don't, don't overspeed. Uh, don't do this. Don't do that on that path on that highway. Uh, so this is really the uh, the uh, the issue, and uh, um, I would like to highlight the uh, in the area of uh, because the uh, the uh, the philosophers were encyclopedic, if you will they did not restrict themselves to metaphysics or to ethics to they dealt with everything and imam Azali was worried about uh, two muslims the first muslim like as a position the first muslim would uh, look at the uh, good work of the uh, uh, of the philosophers in the area of science and the, his his problem uh, would be over generalizing saying that they are good in uh, science. Then they must be also good in metaphysics, like mm-hmm. agree, agreeing to. Uh, so it's really generalizing uh, the uh, their position. So that should not be the uh, the case. So some 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 people could be excellent in uh, in in science, but you don't accept their uh, uh, metaphysics, their story, if you if you will. And there's plenty of this today. Uh, some uh, luminary uh, names. Uh, and probably we can uh, mention some in relation to Imam uh, al-Ghazali. They know science. They know their stuff, as we say. But once it comes to metaphysics, they make a big mistake. In fact, on the in, on the argument, but let me just finish, uh, you know, with uh, the
1: second things. I'm wondering if I should mention them, but I can think of a few. Yeah. There's certain uh, eminent scientists. one very famous one uh, who's a zoologist, uh, I think, uh, from Oxford, who uh, is doubtless brilliant on zoology and has written about this but uh, insists on making pronouncements on metaphysics, particularly atheism, which is a leading atheist advocate. Yes. where he has no training or knowledge whatsoever of theology or un- understanding the disciplines and the methodologies and the literature and the great tradition. But he insists on just making pronouncements uh, from position of great ignorance and much to the embarrassment of other atheists. Uh, one hears them um, saying, oh, dear, I wish you'd <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Um, but, yeah, there, there are such people around. Yes. So uh,
0: the second Muslim that Imam Ghazali is worried about is uh, the other way around. So the first one overgeneralized something good math, something good in science, and you uh, uh, extend this uh, uh, validity to uh, metaphysics. The other one is the other way around. Someone who starts with metaphysics, realizes that it should be rejected, then he will now overgeneralize the rejection, the negativity, then, you know, I reject metaphysics, then I reject science because it comes from such and such person. This is a clear case of uh, ad hominem, uh, you know, uh, fallacy, where it becomes an attack on the person. This person is ignorant. This person is westernized. This person is, athe- you know, that should not be the case. You don't generalize the, uh, that which is positive. You don't generalize that which is uh, negative, And you're simply being fair. Imam al-Ghazali was fair. So we just put everything in, uh, in perspective. So this is really the uh, uh, Imam Ghazali would continue really beyond, uh, you know, because he uh, the uh, the second this is all about uh, knowledge, and uh, Imam Ghazali would mention uh, three cases where the metaphysically he does not agree with the uh, philosophers. Namely, he's probably speaking now about Ibn Sina and Al-Farabi. Uh, but uh, I, I would stick to uh, the uh, one issue, really, um, um, for the sake of uh, brevity, but also so that we'll not really go into uh, many issues. Uh, it is described as the uh, eternity of the world, that wow. the world would be co-eternal with, uh, with, with God, which is really absolutely, uh, how could God, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how could God be? Uh, the creator of the universe has be, been always there. What uh, I'm what I'm saying might not reflect exactly, uh, you know, because for Ibn Rushd, he says it's really uh, semantics. In Tahafut, Tahafut, the destruction of the destruction, the Tahafut of Tahafut, responding to Imam Azali it's semantics. So the incoherence the incoherence, is not chance. Of the incoherence. Yes, it's semantics. Nah, let me say this. Uh, If we look at the, uh, you know, uh, uh, astrophysicists today who are atheists who say that the world is 13.7 billion years old, they are subscribing to Imam al-Ghazali's worldview, not knowingly, okay? Because they pinpoint a moment when we go back to when time was, you know, uh, equal zero. And they admit that nothing preceded this. And I think it's very, very important to, uh, to realize by admitting that nothing they talk about, there could be no matter before matter in a sense, because they say that the big bang theory, that particular point is when matter came into existence. And they will say beautiful things that within a fraction of a second, the, uh, the temperature was a quadrillion, you know, um, degree centigrade there was it was material soup no protons no neutrons no electrons no quarks no nothing was formed yet they still ponder where did this come from if it did not exist but they do say that that's the beginning whether it's 13.7 billion if they adjust it with a little bit here or the idea is still there and even um, some of them might escape to a different realm. They might introduce the idea that, oh, there was like uh, uh, infinitesimal uh, uh, black holes. That's that, that cannot be the case. That there was a beginning. And Imam al-Ghazali and the Ashari and the Sunnites, they say, there was a beginning. The universe is not co-eternal with God. God, now, the fact that you don't understand, uh, you know, uh, God, that's exact, exactly perfect. It's okay, mm. because only God understands God, except that which he wills us to understand and that which we are capable. And he endowed us with reason. So it's not, we don't shun our reason. Some Muslims, they might use certain area in jurisprudence, uh, which is really, you know, they would say something like, had religion been through reason, then wiping on the bottom of, uh the uh, the shoes would be um, you know, uh, uh, better than or the really the right position rather than wiping on the top of the uh, of the shoes in, in ablution, what have you. Uh, you don't take that statement uh, and you know, again here we are over generalizing internally, dismissing science, dismissing reason, uh, and maybe because of frustration with politics, frustration with colonialism frustration with uh, famine frustration with the you can see the the arab world with is plagued uh by by problems and not only the arab world and today is the even the west is is plagued by many economic you know disasters the mass shootings in the united states name it every country has its own you know uh, uh, moral problem but that does not mean withdrawing from the realm of uh, uh, you know uh, of science and the realm, the, the society at large, uh, uh, being from being a civilizational force, a positive force, the way the Andalusian you know uh, paradigm was, the way Baghdad was, and this is really a response. I know that uh, you have uh, answered this with your uh, uh, with your guest uh, in a previous program about Neil deGrasse, but the. Uh, you know uh, you know blaming imam al-ghazali uh, for the downfall of islamic civilization is a great really uh injustice and really people don't realize what uh, what happened historically uh, i think one way of putting it is uh, look at what happened historically imam al-ghazali in fact in the at the beginning of hay al the revival of islamic sciences imam al-ghazali makes uh Agriculture and the uh, the uh, uh, engineering in the sense of really building uh, shelters and uh, clothing and all the industries related to them, it, they are a must, they are obligatory, they are oblig- religiously, ob- it is a religious oblig- obligation upon every community to produce what it needs, whether it's a physician or a scientist or somebody who makes uh, tools for, uh, you know, for spinning uh, wool or uh, for uh, agriculture or what have you so uh so the uh the idea is look at the map of the uh, muslim world and just try to remember that in uh, in uh, in 12 uh, you know 1258 the Mughals destroyed baghdad literally the it was simply the vikings of the east destroying mm-hmm. everything uh, then in 1492, and we have mentioned this in in the previous program, but I'm uh, I've been trying to highlight this issue: 1492, the destruction of uh, the Islamic presence, let's say, the ethnic cleansing. I would say, they did not tolerate any Muslim in Andalusia uh, after 1492, and in the center, in the heart, between both, the the um, the Crusades in around 1099. Uh, When Imam Ghazali was already on his way back, so from this journey that he began in in Baghdad, and we'll uh, complete it in a minute, inshallah. Uh, So the two wings have been destroyed, the heart has been uh, uh, occupied, and how could an Islamic civilization continue as usual? Now we go back to Imam Ghazali after he left Baghdad, he went to Damascus, Uh, for the whole journey from Baghdad to Baghdad was about 11 years and I think very important to remember 11 years Baghdad to Baghdad. Baghdad Damascus where he would lock uh, himself uh, up in the minaret of the Umayyad Mosque then from uh, Damascus to Jerusalem where he stayed in the uh, two rooms uh, of on top of the Gate of Mercy uh, the Golden Gate as as it is described in, in English and uh, from Jerusalem, he went to uh, Hebron, Al-Khalil. And there he pledged three things. Uh, one of them is never to debate anyone. Again, it's about, you know, the uh, you know uh, if you debate, it's really, the, it's very bad for one's heart. Uh, you might win an argument, but that's bad.
1: Uh, There's so many people, including myself, perhaps most of all, who need to learn that lesson today. Uh,
0: inshallah, we will all learn this, uh, this uh, you know. And uh, then he went to Hajj and uh, visit, he visited the uh, the uh, Prophet ﷺ in, uh, in Medina and back to Baghdad. Uh, he did not visit the Nizamiya college where he uh, used to teach. Uh, it's just like keeping a distance. And uh, some of his uh, students compared Imam Ghazali before and after his journey Uh before his before giving up his position, distributing his wealth, like at the peak of his material achievement, if you will, uh, his entourage would co- would compete with that of the emirs, the princes, the sultans, and so he, uh, like uh, he had a Rolls Royce like them, I would say, just simply as an example. But on the way back from his uh, from his journey, uh, they saw nothing on him. One of his students said nothing on him, except uh, a container for water and staff, nothing else, that was everything, that was his property.
1: Well, yeah, have you concluded there, well, that's an amazing, I mean, there's, there's more to say, of course, on, on this. Well, of course, of
0: course, yeah, I mean, it's very important to realize that, at the, right at the very beginning, uh, we realized that he wrote this book when he was uh, just reaching 50 years of age, Imam he died at, you know, uh, he was 55, let's remember, we talk about lunar years, 50 means just one and a half years less than the uh, solar uh, years and uh, so he was really providing a a blueprint uh, uh, really an a treatise it's not it's not to entertain at all in fact you are not one is not entertaining at all uh, when we talk about indubitable knowledge when we talk about doubt when we talk about sincerity even because it requires you to give up something it requires you to change your way of life it 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 challenges you to follow his path and when he says it is spirituality Mm. it is spirituality yes we need to do all the things that we need to do our religious obligations our prayers our fasting but ultimately spirituality and this is why we will find details in the revival of islamic sciences so fasting yes how to fast you know what 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 are the other things that what's the package uh, pilgrimage, what's the package? Charity, zekah, what's the package? Prayer, what's the package? Which, which he calls the, uh, he says the 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 secret of, meaning that one needs to reach a certain level of understanding, that down the road, it is uh, spirituality, it's this spiritual, realm. it's not ignoring what you need. People, people can take the argument in, in two directions. You reject and you, you know, you are. Um, you know, entrenched in the material realm and people who are going to abandon everything but he himself was not the first one to shun position, public office, to distribute wealth. Uh, so this is really, and and ultimately after uh, teaching for a short while in Nishapur, uh, at the um, encouragement of Fakhr uh, mulk uh, son of Nidham mulk and he did, his answer was not an immediate yes, he said that he consulted with Arbab al the, uh, the lords of the hearts, meaning the Sufis. So he was not making a decision on his own. He taught there until uh, Fakhrimulk himself was assassinated, as I said earlier. From there back to Tuskhorasan, where he split his time between the uh, novices on this spiritual path and the students of learning. Until basically many stories about how he ended, not he ended his life, or how, like, the way his life unfolded uh, right at the very end and let's basically mention another book that he wrote it could be the very last Minhaj al abidin the path of the worshipers so that's really another maybe one day inshallah we'll have a chance to, uh,
1: to go over oh, yeah. that Indeed, you will like, come on again as a welcome guest to talk about uh, the other aspects of Al-Ghazali's life. And one of the things I find very attractive about him, well, the many things, but it is his total dedication, his sincerity to pursue the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, to this logical conclusion. He wasn't satisfied with an ivory tower uh, life like as a Cambridge don, if I can... P- Pick on that university. No, for him, it was a holistic, existential, spiritual, as well as an academic and and intellectual journey, which literally took him away from Baghdad. It took him uh, to to many other places. But it it is indomitable sincerity, relentless uh, sincerity, Niyat, to find the truth and to find that certainty that he craved so much, which is quite extraordinary that he gave up so much um, to... Uh, to find that, and he found his, he came home in the end, both geographically and spiritually, he found um, that place that he wanted to be to be at, so Deliverance of Error, uh, uh, it has has several different titles, I mean, it's translated differently, confusingly in English, but the one I prefer is Deliverance of Error, and one can certainly buy copies of it very easily on the usual platforms like Amazon and so on, um, I've got my copy from, from Amazon, um, it's, it's part autobiographical, as you say, it's part intellectual journey exploration of theology and philosophy a very interesting uh text which i do recommend thank you Right. well thank you very much sir for your uh, time professor dr mustafa abu sway uh absolutely fascinating inshallah uh, as i say you've been on a guest again because there's so much more that can be said about um this extraordinary human being al Ghazali. so until next time inshallah
0: shalom